Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. And we like to do that in the world of sports and music and books and comedy and all things leadership. And we like to talk, as I like to a lot in my day job with the gathering of the Miami Valley about men and different things going on in the lives of men. And we have a unique guest for a couple reasons today. One, Michelle Watson Canfield and I have been trying to make this happen for the better part. She said three years, two years is what sounded right to me. But either way, it's been a long, long time, two years. And it's not going to be often that we're probably having people on here who are women who speak directly to the heart with a lot of expertise and experience with men. But Michelle will be doing that. So, Michelle, thank you for we finally made this happen. And you're on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. We're doing it. it Jeff, finally, we're finally here. Yay, I'm excited. I don't know that there's a person I've had on yet that it took as long as it's taken me and you. <laughs> well, that must mean that the Trinity has something cool for us today. Well, and all best things, right? Come to those who wait. I figure if it takes six months or longer, it's clearly going to be great and God's in it. But two years, God's clearly in it. So, Michelle, let's jump right into it. Give us your three-minute testimony of how you were drawn to Jesus, what was going on in your life for you to come to him and recognize him as Savior, Lord, King, all the above. Okay. Well, I was born in Oakland, California. My parents were in the army. They were stationed at the Presidio in San Francisco. I was born in 60, so this is the late 50s. And my mom was my dad's boss. And they told her not to have anything to do with the men under her. But of course, she didn't listen. So they get married. And as a little side note, they were pregnant with me when they got married and didn't know it. So, you know, back in that day, you hid stuff, you didn't talk about stuff. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day. Cause my mom grew up in a really wackadoo religious family, which actually does tie to the story of how I came to Jesus. So when I'm five, my mom's parents are going to come visit from Minnesota to California. They go three times to a church. So the pastor knows their name. So it looks like they're a part of this church. They're there to fake out her parents. And so wouldn't you have it? That's how Holy Spirit works, right? Draws them. And next thing you know, at the end with the altar call, my mom's going forward. And my dad was right behind her. And so uh, we started going to church out of nowhere. And then when I was six, it was on an Easter Sunday. I remember with my best friend, Joe Polly, raising my hand and saying, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. That's how we languaged it then. And I'll never forget, you know, when Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your history. I remember saying, I feel clean. I feel different. And got baptized, I think when I was nine. And then we moved to Portland, Oregon for my dad to go into seminary. And I remember rededicating my life, even at 12, always have had a real sensitive heart to the things of the Lord and been a real committed Jesus follower. 
you know, really obeying what he says. If he says, don't have sex till marriage, okay, I'm not going to do that. If he says, tithe, I'm going to do that. He says, you got to be in my word day. I'm going to do that. And so not to say I haven't had stuff because I do have a lot of trauma in my history, but I can't imagine having a life where Jesus wasn't the Lord of it through all the ups and the downs. And so there you go. There's the quick overview. Wow. I'm big on sports. So I got to make a sports connection here right away. My two okay. favorite current basketball players are Steph Curry, Golden State, Oakland, California arena, Damian Lillard, Portland Trailblazers, Portland, yep. Oregon. So if Portland plays Golden State, who do you cheer for? <laughs> Definitely Portland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was there in the 70s, I think. No, no, no. When was it? Not the 70s, when they um, Trailblazers won the championship. Yeah. I mean, I literally was decked out head to toe with Trailblazer logo earrings yeah. and shirts. And I mean, we had a parade. It was crazy. Well, yeah, we were crazy town. I told you I'm going there next month. And when I go, yep. I am getting some sort of Portland Trailblazer long sleeve tee, hoodie, pair of shorts, something. There you so go. I love me some Damon Lillard. So. There's a lot of places I want to go right here, but you, one of the things that amazes me about you, Michelle, and you know, I think sometimes you maybe don't really know someone, but you do because of what you see on social media interaction you have or whatever, you just exude joy to me. I love how you said, like instantaneously, you knew you were clean. You said that word first, then you said you were set free. There's just kind of this John 10, 10, life to the fullest attitude mm -hmm. that just seems to ooze out of you. I'm not the first person to say something like that, I bet. Talk about... Yeah, I get the word perky. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Perky does not do it justice. It's way beyond Okay, perky. thank you. So how, what, what do you think that's due to that you've kind of cultivated that in your life? I think some of it, honestly, is God's personality. You know, we, we all get a different personality, introvert, extrovert, right? You've heard the four styles, lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever. Like, I think some of this is honestly just God wires us a certain way. So some of it is that, you know, and my parents have often said to me, Michelle, we don't know where you came from. You know, you, you just have a lot of energy. You have a lot, you know, dad says you do more in a day than most people think about doing in a day. So the reality though, is I get tired too. And I get tired of people and I get tired of all the going. And so I, quote unquote crash too. I mean, I don't want to give a impression that I, that I don't do rest intentionally to balance being energetic over here, because I, I think that's a healthier way to live. And I definitely want to model that in the way behind closed doors, I live my life. Right. But the other part of the story, and I love that, that we're having a conversation that targets men primarily because over the past 12 years, right? I've been, I say, flying from my planet of Venus to your planet of Mars. And I speak at men's conferences. I lead men's groups, right? I do the Dad Whisperer podcast for men, for dads. Like that's my lane. I write to men, blogs and books. And so when I interact with men, I always say, yes, I'm energetic. But tell me, Jeff, if you know what I'm talking about when I say a man knows if that energy has a seductive spirit mm. attached to it. Wow. We're, it's a playing with men. It's a drawing them in that way. And it's dangerous. It is dangerous when women do that because it, it attracts a spirit of lust in mm. men. And there's a very unholy dance there. So in my enthusiastic nature, I am also careful and yet free. 
to be who God's made me to be. Because the truth is I have a trauma history. So I'm telling this to men. I have sexual abuse from my grandfather and a few others that has messed me up with men. Duh, right? Of course it has. And so once there's a violation, I think what happens to a lot of women is we either pendulum swing to more that, like I'm saying, seductive spirit, wanting to either overpower men again or entice them again to feel powerful or frigid. Promiscuous or frigid tends to be the two ends of the spectrum. With my abuse, I ended up going to the frigid side. Like, I'm not going to respond to men. There's going to be a guardedness there. I'm afraid of them, to be honest with you. So where I'm at now, and I love that you're saying, Michelle, Perky doesn't do it justice. There's energy. This is me set free. This is me not afraid of men. This is me free to be who God's made me to be. And at the ABBA Project, it's the men's group I lead for dads of daughters, they line up for hugs. And you know what? They know I ain't copping a feel. You men know the difference. Am I right? Yeah. So when I am interacting with men, being enthusiastic, there ain't a seductive spirit there. I'm telling you, it's not that. But being who God made me to be and stepping into being energetic is something that hasn't actually always been, uh, I would say, embraced well. Like I remember I was a worship leader at my church in Portland for seven years, one of the main ones. And I was often told, down girl. Can you, can you not be kind of so loud or so moving your arms so much and that kind of a thing? And I remember saying to my pastor, I've been raised from death to life. This is me. I'm not trying to bust a move sure. up here. I'm walking back and forth and looking in the eyes of people going, I want this song to touch you. I see your eyes. And so I was a fear ridden girl for a lot of my life. My abuse, my trauma shut me down. And so even though I was still made by God to have energy, that stuff shaped me. It, there, was a, there was kind of a heaviness about me. So the fact that you would pick up on that really honestly is nothing more than a testimony to the Lord's goodness and his healing in my life that I am free to, to jump and dance. And, and if somebody doesn't like it, I've heard God tell me before, well, they're going to have to go somewhere else because I made you this way. Sure. Well, and I think the three words that jump out to me with you, the two are easy. The, the third one, I got to figure out what word I want to use. But I think you're intentional. I think you're self-aware to a degree, it feels like. And it's some sort of fun, energetic, joyful. I don't, there's None of those words feel enough. But you know who, I've never thought about this about you, but as you're talking, a person that comes to my mind that you kind of remind me of a little bit, and I don't know her, know her, but we all know her from seeing her, hearing her, watching her over the years, is Kathy Lee Gifford. Have you, has anybody ever made that comparison mm. to you with Kathy Lee Gifford? Nope. I think you, you kind of exude this like confident certainty that God is who he is and then your comfort level and feeling like, okay, then based on that and we're connected, I abide in him. I can be who I am. Totally. Totally. Yep. He's made me this way. And, and here's what I love that you highlighted this, Jeff is that dad's listening. We're talking today. We're going to segue into how do you be an intentional dad to your daughter? Yeah. And what I often say is that I want to model to you the strength and hopefully the health of a woman who has stepped into who she is because she knows whose she is. Yeah. And that the more we spend time together, because I 
can't give out what I don't have. So how can I help dads raise an empowered daughter with intention and consistency if I'm not in my own personal life living it out? So I love that you picked up on that. Okay, so we're gonna go way off course for a minute because when I see this and know this about you, particularly on your website, I cannot have a conversation with you and this is not a critical point. You brag about being a thrift shopper. I'm known to many as the coupon king. I used to write a blog called Pinks, Wheels, and Deals. Disciple me at being even cheaper. Disciple oh, man, me. I don't know if I can do that. Other I'm, I'm than big... I really love thrift shopping. I love it. I always have. And, and to even go deeper, you talked about being self-aware. Welcome to the fact that I, you know, my full-time 27 years now is I am a shrink. Right. Like I meet with people, I'm invited into holy ground space of brokenness and tenderness and challenge and really tender areas. Right. This is what I do for a living. And so, again, if I'm not living it out, how can I be, you know, a psychologist that's really meeting people where they're at if I'm not living it? Right. Really licensed professional counselor is kind of my degree, but that's where my doctorate's at. So here's what I want to tell you is when I was doing my own work, when I was a therapist. I mean, going to a therapist, I'm doing my work on my abuse. I started getting into this pattern with my mom where we would go to the Goodwill on Fridays. I'd have a two hour session and then we'd go there. And we started looking in bins and things. And what became so clear to me is that I was looking for treasures in the trash. And it was lost on me then, but not now that I was a metaphor of that exact process. And so now it does go deep in me going, there are redeemable things here that other people threw away, but I'm going to find out how to repurpose it, how to reuse it. And I just moved to Arkansas from Portland nine months ago. I've been in, was in Portland over five decades. So that's where I've known the thrift stores, you know, the good ones, you know, and they're not even close to that here in Arkansas. So I'm still, uh, you know, grieving the loss there, but that's really what's underneath it. I love you know, seeing the treasures there, because that's really my story. But I still need you to give me something practical. Like I know how to use Kroger, the grocery store, to maximize my gas points by buying this gift card or that gift card when there's a deal. You got to give me something concrete to say, Jeff, this will make you even better at being cheap. Some kind of- Okay, well, here's what, here's what I know, but I don't do, is people that are really, really serious say, okay, like every Sunday at Goodwill, the yellow tags, or whatever color that we go half off, you know? So, yeah. but then what I have found, and this is my mom and I've had this conversation. We're like, you know what? The thing we don't like is that I think the people that work there or they're on to that. And so they pull the good stuff. We're like, it doesn't really work like they, I think intend it to work. So I find the best thing for me is you just got to carve out some time. You got to go item by item. I have a sister that literally finds the best things that we miss, my mom and I miss it. And it's because she takes the time to just item by item go through it. But what's really fun is, you know, now that I got married and I have 14, 15 grandkids now, got a six month old added to the mix. So 15 now, but really fun that one of them who's 14 here, I have taken her to the Goodwill. We've bought skirts for her there. So I'm I'm working on this generation to bring them up to speed. So I don't know that I have tips other than it just takes time. You got to put the time in if you want to find the stuff. 
Okay, doesn't so, come crawling off the you know the shelves to you. So let me give you a tip. Are you familiar with raise.com? Nope. You can buy discounted gift cards through raise like you raise your children raise.com r-e-i-s-e yep okay there's my tip for you i wanted to give you a, a cheap b3 oh there you go tip. so so here i'm going to mention two words to you and i'm going to let you run with this for a minute tell us whatever comes to your mind ken canfield <laughs> oh my goodness ken is now my husband of a little over two years He's obviously the love of my life, my husband, next to Jesus, of course, which I put in my vows. So I just got married at the age of 60 during COVID for the first time and inherited a tribe at that time of 24. I have an honorary daughter and a husband and a grandbaby there. So they're part of the tribe as well. Which, by the way, if anybody could see this or connects with you on social, you do not look. So you're 62 now, right? 62. You do not yep. look 62 at all. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So Ken and I met in 2011 at a counseling conference and he was a speaker. And so I often reach out to people that have kindred spirit passions and, you know, with him founding the National Center for Fathering, I wanted to meet him. And I've always, as I said earlier, I have very clear boundaries with men. I have. And so I was in their home. I met his wife, met one of his daughters and kids and he had been a real champion of me saying, there's not many women that are speaking to men to help men be better fathers. And so he wrote the foreword to my first book in 14. Like I said, has been a very big champion, invited me to DC to Department of Health and Human Services meetings, you know, with some key leaders. And I literally remember like even sitting at a table there with 10, 10 people, I walked in the room and asked the assistant, like, now, do I just sit along the back wall? She's like, no. No, there's a name tag for you at the table. What? Like Ken said, you need to be here. I'm inviting you in. They're inviting you in. So I have always said, if Ken said, you need to do something or you need to be there, I would do it. Really? Because he had such wisdom then and he still does. And so, yep, we're off to the races and asking God what's next now that we're coming out of COVID and things are opening up again in terms of uh, more speaking things together and just excited about what God has ahead. I think you guys' story and just what you do and how you ended up in the same lane at 60 years old. His, his Now, he had been widowed for how long? Yeah, his wife now died three years ago. Yeah. And so it wasn't long after. I mean, that's a lot to put in there, you know? I mean, but With just to think how you... still grieving. To think of your lives and how intertwined and just the way you... I mean, just so many things about that to me is a crazy, like... You know, but sometimes people use a two-word phrase, and it's so true here, only God. Well, well, let me even add one more thing. And I know that, you know, this isn't maybe a dad-daughter focus, but in a way, I'm going to twist it to that, man, because I, again, having been a youth leader for years, a mentor of girls, now a therapist for 27 years, like I hear lots of stories. I know women. I'm the oldest of four girls. Like I have a finger on the pulse of all things female, right, with just the different places that I've been and how I've lived and who I've interacted with. I don't hear the story I lived very often in how women date with intention. It's whoever likes them, they're vulnerable to that boy. And a lot of times you can trace it back to a dad wound or a dad void, but dad, it's time to step it up. I don't care what age your daughter is. Even if she's married, still take her on one-on-one -on -one time with you dates, 
she didn't like the word date. Some girls in fifth grade told me before they think that's creepy. You don't date your dad. You know, we'll call it whatever you want. Just call it a shindig, call it a dinner outing, but spend one-on-one time with your daughter because the research shows she will be healthier in every area of her life, you know, and I'll, I can give you research later if you want, but it's there and it's solid. So for me, I didn't date a ton because I wasn't that impressed with a lot of the men I meet. And then the older I got, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, ruling out very many options. And I got to the point where when I was about, hmm, I think I was in my late forties, I literally heard God tell me that he wanted me to do an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. So I told my dad, I tend to be drawn to the fixer uppers. You know, oh, he has potential. Let's pour a little, you know, salsa on and a little hot sauce. And I think he'll be good to go. <laughs> and it just, I got to the point where I'm like, this is getting in the way of, of a full on ministry. And so in my late forties, I told my dad, okay, if somebody wants to marry me and I told a couple brother-in-laws or date me, I mean, not marry me, date me. I'm actually not going to say, yes, you're going to interview them. I'll give them your email and your phone number. And not one ever followed through. People would come up because I was up front. Hey, I know someone. Well, you know, you, here's my dad's number. And people would come up to me going, I can't believe you're not married. You seem so normal. To my face would say that. Like, if you're not married, there's something wrong with you was the message I got a lot. But I, I look back and go, no, God was honing my focus, my passion, my calling. So fast forward to when I was 55, I felt like uh, God was really giving me the the invitation, the choice not to ever get married. And so I made that choice at 55 that I was going to stay single for the rest of my life until every heart of every father in this nation had turned to his daughter. And then it was, it was not long after Ken's wife died. I literally one day wrote in my journal, if God, if you want me to marry Ken, I'll say yes Mm. out of nowhere, but I did not tell hardly anyone because I said, God, if this was you, you'll confirm it. And I, I told my best friend since I was 19 and another friend the first week. And they both said, yeah, God already told me like they already told you Ken. Yep. Like what is happening? Then I told my daughter, my honorary daughter, she said, yeah, I know it's Ken. And I'm like, what? Three for three. So then long story short, he called me out of the blue, January 1st of 2020. So this was about um, from, what would it have been? September to to January 1st is all. And all of December, I prayed out of Luke 1. And I said, God, what has been conceived in me is of the Holy Spirit. Now take Joseph. I was Mary, the mother. I was like Mary, the mother of Jesus. I was like, what's conceived in me is of the Holy Spirit. Now wake Joseph up and tell him to come take Mary home as his wife. And so he called me out of the blue on January 1st. Did not know the day before he was going to marry me. God gave him a download and he said, how would you like to move from professional to personal? I'm asking yeah. you to marry me and I'm proposing without a ring and I'll call your dad if you want me to. So dad, if you want a daughter who waits for God's best yeah. for her, it may, I've had people go, please tell me it won't take 60 years. I'm like, I know I'm an anomaly, but you guys, you know, that's going to be your, your children. You're going to have to love that son-in-law. You got to do time with you know, not do time. That sounds like prison, but I mean, you know, family time. Who your daughter marries has everything to do with everything. And the more you invest now in letting her know she has value, she's worth your time. She's more important than the game. You'll turn it off if she comes in crying. I mean, the times where you're inconvenienced, it's where you you make deep deposits to let her know 
that she matters. When you turn off the anger, when you really want to blow, when you give yourself a timeout that's as long as how many years you are old. Remember, we do that three-minute timeout if you're three. Well, if you're 52, you need a 52-minute timeout to calm your brain down. And then go in. Then make it right. Make amends if you've hurt her and responded in anger. All of those things train her. They put a deposit into her heart and life to say, that's the kind of man I want to marry. And your life's going to be better if she makes a better choice. So there you go. Amen to that. No doubt about that. There is so much like uh, Hollywood, fairy tale, Hallmarky movies (laughs) and any and all elements of those those stories. So, hey, before we get into some more meaty stuff about what you do on a regular basis, let's get sideways with our rapid five questions, we call them. So let's jump in, kind of short answers, and we'll we'll book on this. What is your uh, favorite childhood snack or cereal, Michelle? Oh, my goodness. Probably, do you ever remember finger jello? It'd be like you make it by hand and you add in, I don't even know the recipe, but you add in something different than normal jello, like gelatin that thickens it. And so they would, my mom would make them in all the jello flavors, but little squares, big squares actually. And it doesn't melt. They stay like jiggly and hard. Anyway, I haven't thought about that forever, but there you go. Wow. Fun, fun finger jello. No one's ever given that answer. So besides (laughs) one of yours or one of Ken's, what is your favorite book you most like to gift to other people? Hmm. Can I have two? Bring it. Okay. So one of my favorite books is called Streams in the Desert. It's a devotional from 1925. And that was in the day where she was Mrs. Charles Kalman. You didn't go by, I don't even know what her first name was. She was a Mrs. And then she wrote a a follow-up called Springs in the Valley in 1939. And it's it's just a daily devotional that I've read, not always every day, but I've read it, oh my goodness, for probably 30 years at least. And I love that devotional because it has so much meat and depth to it. So that's one book I love giving out. Another one that I really love is called The Shack mm-hmm. um, by a good friend of mine from Portland called Paul Young. Yeah, I met him a few years ago. He's a great guy. Yeah, so his sister's one of my best friends and he's had a huge impact on my life. And so when I, I would say I awakened to Trinitarian theology through that book and how the Trinity interacted with each other. And so that book I absolutely love as well. How's he doing these days? I haven't seen or heard. Like I said, he spoke at a gathering in Columbus breakfast years ago. We met, had a good little interaction or whatever. But what's he up to these days? He's had some health challenges in mm. the last you know, year or two that's kind of had him pull back a little bit. I think COVID has too. And he's just um, working on a couple of books again. Oh, so cool. I'm sworn to secrecy on yeah, some of that. Cool. Um, there you go. That'll be neat to hear, find out more about. So here's one. Let's say you're you're uh, traveling, doing some grandkid stuff with Ken, and you're going on vacation, and you've got to make a trip that's going to be a lunch stop along the way, and you have to stop a few minutes early because someone had to go to the bathroom, and you're like, okay, we're not stopping again. So you you get to this exit sign, and you're like, we got to stop. We're going to eat wherever this is, and you see these three places: In-N-Out Burger, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. Where are you guys stopping at? Oh man, you know, I was an in and out girl. I mean, we went there on our honeymoon in California. We just got one not far, you know, just south of Portland in Salem. And it was like big deal, right? We have in and out. But Ken turned me into a Chick-fil-A girl. I had never eaten at Chick-fil-A really? until Ken. Actually, 
at the first men's conference I spoke at in Denver in 2015, they brought in Chick-fil-A and I'm like, Ooh, who puts biscuits <laughs> in the middle of a biscuit? I'll eat them separate, but don't give me a sandwich. So that was my first Chick-fil-A was at a men's conference, but then, yep. First time to Chick-fil-A was Ken Canfield. And now literally I crave it. Uh, what has happened? So yeah, Chick-fil-A now for sure. Hey, well, that's, that's many, a, many of people's answer. No doubt about that. So yeah, yeah. what is the movie that gets you? If you were flipping channels, going old school and you stumble mm -hmm. across this movie, whether you're by yourself or you're with Ken, what movie, if it came mm -hmm. across the screen, would you say, I don't care if I've seen it 50 times. We got to watch it again. Well, we did just watch The Proposal. I love that one. It's so creative, right? Betty White and, you know, okay. Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, like super creative. I love that one. So so usually one of those chick flicks, nothing, shoot them up. Sorry, man. But you know what? There's a movie that, you know, you asked about books I give out. I have a movie I give out and it's called Disney's The Kid. Huh. And Who's in that? Not a lot of people have heard about it. And it's kind of like therapy books are our movies are inside out, which is the, the kids movie about all the emotions inside. Okay. It's an yeah. awesome movie, man. If I've you want to just yeah. kind of look therapeutically at how to give a language to the emotions you have inside, they're different creatures, you know, little, little characters, I should say that are different colors. But then I love the fact that Disney's the kid is another one. So it, it's Bruce Willis. I mean, nobody's even hardly heard of the movie. Yeah. You've, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, Disney's the kid. And it's a 40-year-old guy's about to turn 40. And this kid, something Breslin, Spencer Breslin, I think is his name, okay. shows up at his house unannounced. It's He finds out it's the eight-year-old version of him. And the eight-year-old is shown up and doesn't know why he's there. But he realizes it's to finish some unfinished business from back when he was that age. Oh, wow. If that movie was on, I would stop in a heartbeat because I'm all about people going back and doing work on their child. Yeah, I'm self. always amazed when that happens. And it's like a movie I've never heard of. It's not one that like everybody knows it like Tommy Boy or Back to the yeah, Future or totally. something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Right, right. Okay, well, yeah, that's so good. I'll have to that check movie. it out. So what's your, uh, this will be interesting coming from you with style and whatnot. What's your favorite trendy clothing item you've most bought into over the years? trendy clothing oh, item man. that you most said i'm into that hook line and sinker well i guess one i did i just had a picture come up today three years ago today you know i had been in edina minnesota to meet with my publishers at bethany house and i saw this app and i was like that was really cute but it was a high-waisted bell-bottom pant you know and i was like i've hardly worn them since so you know i did the whole bell-bottom thing the stretchy tops so i wouldn't say there's been one thing but but I really love fashion and I, I love current fashion. So I do love wearing things that are, uh, that are kind of on trend, but I wouldn't say I've ever had one thing other than I look back now because would I do high-waisted jeans now? Probably not, yeah. but it worked for them. Well, let's go with uh, glasses. You definitely are hip and cool in the glasses to say the least. Oh, there you go. I love my fun glasses. I change them out all the time. Yeah, there you go. So let me ask you this. One of the things I know you you kind of care about is how dads can be overwhelmed by all the things that daughters go through and it can easily just disconnect, not show interest, be not present and do nothing or they can just beat themselves up and try too hard. How do guys walk through that fine line, especially through stages and seasons that girls are going to go through? Well, I think just the fact that you brought it up, Jeff, 
helps increase awareness for dads. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's easy to go into fathering and not think intentionally about what you're doing, right? Because stuff gets hard day to day and you've juggle, you have to juggle your job and fixing the car and mowing the lawn as you just, you know, you have a big lawn, you're talking to me about having to mow, yeah. you know? So it's really easy to have kids get underfoot and forget that you're actually raising a Jesus follower who has the possibility to change this world for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're not focused on being intentional with how you lead, you'll miss moving the marker forward, moving the ball forward on the field if you're not intentional about it. Yeah, wow, that's that's really good. So, you know, we, we talked, you've, you've been great about asking me about my daughter, Leah, and she's 13 years old, and she's, you know, very much a 13-year-old girl figuring out relationships. She's got a core, core group of friends. Her three closest friends are all going to a Christian school this year. She's still homeschooling, blah, 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 blah. As I think about her getting older, maturing, how do I and other dads bear fruit and fruit that will last, giving grace and giving room to be who you are and yet protecting their heart from all the things that can come after them? Well, to state the obvious, it you know, prayer helps. Prayer Certainly. moves mountains. Mustard seed of faith, right? Pray, pray, pray. But let me even back up a step. Today, dad, if you forget everything else I've said, right? Because there's going to be a lot. I think we all listen to sermons and you walk, a walk away going, that was so good. Or you go to a conference or you read a book, but we all get information overload. It's like, yep. what do we actually take with us that stays? Well, I think it's different, right? For all of us. But here's the thing I want you men to take with you is it comes down to talking. Through the lifespan of your daughter's life, the key is dialing into her heart space through talking, 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 talking. If that wasn't a big deal, why did God actually call his son the word? Hello. Why on the front of our Bibles, Holy Bible, but we call it what? God's word. There's three quarters of a million of them there. We know that God as a father as the Trinity values words, talking to us. It's the whole reason Jesus came, right? Is to talk to us, to make his father known to us. And so dad, if you're going to model God, the father to your daughter throughout her lifespan, it's got to come down to talking because here's a little secret I'll teach you from my planet of Venus. You're on <laughs> Mars, right? Two different. So I speak Venusian. I'm now bilingual. I can speak quite a bit of Martian now, but here it is. When your daughter opens her mouth, her heart opens. And when her heart is open, your heart opens, right? And so the more you can talk with her, not only does it increase your bond, but number two, we as girls figure things out by talking. Sometimes we don't even know what we're thinking or feeling until we get it out. And so the more you as a dad can be a facilitator of listening to your daughter talking with your daughter, not talking at her. The whole lecture thing usually bombs if there's not a foundation of solid relationship first. So dad, that's what I want you to hear today. If you forget everything else is you want to have more interactive conversations with your daughter. Like I said, to strengthen your bond, to help her figure herself out. And at the end of the day, if you forget, again, 
I'm not saying you're dumb and can't remember. It's just, we all have so much coming at us all the time that we can only retain so much. Think T-A-L-K. T, time, right? That's, it's gotta be time. I have some people say, well, I don't have a lot of quantity time, but we have quality time. Are you kidding me? How would you have wooed your wife if you're like, you know, we don't talk very often, but yeah, it's yeah. quality. No, you've got to put in the time. You've got to have quantity, okay? So T is time, A, affirmation. If stuff's hard right now with your daughter and you don't know what to say and she bites your head off because it's wrong, just say, how can I affirm her today? There's a lot in the world tearing her down. There's a movie called Mean Girls. There's no one called Mean Boys, just Mean Girls. Girls are brutal. They do eye looks up and down. They're going to, you know, your girls are going to be more devastated with what they wear with girls than guys any day. And that's where they're vulnerable then to the players that go, I'll tell you what you want to hear. I notice you. And if she didn't get noticed by you, dad, affirm her style if you don't like the outfit, but the stuff, why you put a lot of time into that outfit. I can tell your creativity is coming through, but you're thinking that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen put together. Affirm, affirm every day, put a drop of water into the soil of her heart or that little tree is going to wilt without your water. Affirm L listen, 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 and listen some more. You got two ears, one mouth, you know that, right? So it's double the listening to the talking. So it's asking her questions. That's why I wrote, let's talk conversation starters for dads and daughters, because dads kept saying, Michelle, when you tell us in the opera project, what to ask, it goes real well. What do we do now that we're done? Now, what do I say? And I'm like, I'm going to give you 60 scripts. Dad, here's what you can ask her. Take this with you. It's really cute to her. You don't have to know all the questions to ask, read the questions, let her pick the topic. And if it bombs, blame me. And I'm your fall guy. That's a win-win. But listen, 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 before you talk. I have daughters tell me, my dad lectures me all the time. I hardly see him when he does come in. I hear everything I'm doing wrong. You know, dad, ask questions first before, listen, listen, before you talk. And then K, kindness. You know, we know that scripture talks about how important kindness is. And we read about the Proverbs 31 woman that way, but it's wrapping everything you do with kindness. So ask, is the way you're treating her a model of God's kindness. His kindness leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Kindness turns hearts. So that's a T-A-L-K, time, affirmation, listen, and then K, kindness. But is that a, is that a good summary? If we did nothing but this, that was great because it, it's super encouraging because it reaffirms to me the three places where my daughter and I really connect and seem to do well. And to your point, I made that quote for later, I'm going to be using that about the when she opens up her mouth, she opens up her heart. It's shopping, which we both like to do. We love to go to Marshall's. She likes thrift stores. I'm not totally into thrift stores, but Marshall's and TJ Maxx. And yeah, places I love Marshall's. Yeah. yeah, a bargain. There you go. Walking and then going to get lunch or whatever. So I do see what you're saying there. That's I need the encouragement today, so I'll take it with any of my kids. But with Leah, you just made that happen for me. And there is so much gold. And all I know is this. It took us two years to make this happen. The second episode we do is not going to take two years. Let's be committed to that right there. Okay. Let me say one more thing. Yep. The research shows that men do better with shoulder to shoulder orientation in terms. So when you walk with her, it's kind of a win-win. There's another thing when you're walking, it's, I'm not trying to get all psychobabbly here, but it's called bilateral stimulation. You're right, left, right, left. There's that rhythm. That's how stuff moves through our bodies. And so when you're walking and talking, it works really well for both dad and daughter. 
But then you talked about the times where you're having lunch. Now it's face-to-face orientation, eye-to-eye. And we as women read all the body language. And so women read between lines, men read lines. So at times where as a man, you go, why would I have needed to tell her that that was beautiful? Or it was obvious because I didn't say anything to the contrary. No, no, no. She's going to read in between everything you don't say between all those lines. So the more you're talking in affirming ways, the more you build her up, it builds her confidence and she will internalize your view of her. So you can be found at drmichellewatson.com. Where else can people find you, Michelle? Yep. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can just go to my website and find the links on Twitter, but it's just drmichellewatson.com. I didn't add my Canfield on there because I was so established the other way. Yep. yep. And I, like I said, I have lots of resources for dads. I had mentioned earlier, yeah. I have a podcast, The Dad Whisper. It's on, you know, all platforms and books that I've written. The first one is called dad. Here's what I really need from you. A guide for connecting with your daughter's heart that just kind of explains your daughter to you as a man. And, you know, I've got more that I want to write. I've had dads say they want books for younger daughters that help build a foundation before, because I tend to target 13 to 30 when it gets a little harder and they're saying, how, how can we get a better start earlier? So that's up and coming. Ken and I want to write together about trauma in fathers and their own stuff that will help them be a better father. You know what? I want to give one more plug. And I know that like you were saying, you have got to shorten these, these podcasts, but dad, I'm going to give you two takeaways here. Okay. Practical one today. Here's your assignment. Go get a pack of sticky notes or a dry erase marker and write on her mirror today, her bathroom mirror, her bedroom mirror. I have more I could tell you about this, but I want an action step, a practical step for you to take from this podcast to be a more dialed in dad Mm. besides the T-A-L-K. Write an affirming message on her mirror of her bathroom, her bedroom, her car that says like, I'm so glad I'm your dad. You're beautiful to me. I'm praying for you today. Anything affirming that goes with that A, right? That's your practical action step. And number two, if you ever get lost, like I said, the T-A-L-K, but if you want a biblical reference to really your five-point goal as a father, it's found in one verse in the entire Bible. You know what it is? Luke 15, 20. It's the prodigal son, and the dad did five things. Verse 20, they're all listed just in one verse. So again, if you ever get off course as a dad and all you are is reactive to her reactions, go open that one verse, write it on a card, put it in your office, put it in your closet. And what it says is, here's five things the father did. And Jesus is talking about his dad. So this is how you as a dad build a bridge to God as an earthly father. One, it says, he saw. He stood, he saw. So are you seeing into her world? Are you looking through her eyes at what is hard for her rather than saying you're a big baby, like grow up? No, look through her eyes, see her. Two, are you filled with compassion? There's number two. Three, you run toward her right? Biblically, you turn your heart first and then she'll turn back over. It may take a long time, but she will, I believe in time. And then you embrace and you kiss kind of like a dog licking your face, you know, but there's your fivefold goal dad. If you ever get lost as a dad, I just wanted to put that in there before we're done. I am done. You, you've got me. I'm, I'm, I need a, a full day date with my daughter. We did a trip, okay. trip with my daughter. Let me know how it goes. I, I need it after that. We got to figure out with schooling and I leave on a retreat Thursday. But uh, man, Michelle, I am so awesome. glad as of today to say wherever you and I were, 
much further down the road. You are a friend. Ken is a friend. There's a whole lot to happen yep. beyond this call right now. So thanks for being on the Pinkleton awesome. Pool side. Much, much fruit and many blessings to you, Michelle. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.